All right, everybody, welcome back to That's Criminal. Um, before we get started, a little bit of admin. Spoilers is getting through its last couple of steps, last couple of hurdles before it gets to Audible. Um, we've been uh, been working through, waiting for uh, ACX and Amazon and uh, Audible to uh, to approve the final. And once that thing goes, uh, Chaz Mandala is going to walk you guys through how we brought uh, Banks and Wilk and Thompson, Deguello and Bianca and Poppy uh, to right off the page in that book. So. Look for that next couple of weeks, and uh, I will be sure to let you know as soon as that thing goes out. Uh, but for tonight, tonight, really looking forward um, to talking to Patrick O'Donnell. Uh, Patrick O'Donnell is a host of the Cops and Writers podcast. He worked in one of the nation's largest police departments for over 25 years. He's been in charge of thousands of crime scenes, investigations from homicide, sexual assault to robberies. Uh, and with the, uh, the cops and writers, uh, it's, it's built to uh, assist uh, the, the writers, assist us in, in making sure we get the most accurate and believable police stories uh, incorporated into our novel. So it's really it's a resource uh, for for us writer types. Um, but not only that, but it's I when I was on there, we, we had a we had a blast. I mean, nothing. I mean, either going from war stories, talking techniques, talking investigations, um, it was a blast and it was wide ranging. So even if you don't uh, put pen to page, uh, there's a lot to be a uh, lot to be gained and a lot of entertainment built in the cops and writers. But in addition to the podcast, our guests uh, in, a, in augmenting the podcast, uh, Patrick's also written two books aimed at assisting writers in the technical aspects of writing police uh, called Cops and Writers from the Academy of the Streets and Cops and Writers Crime Scenes and Investigations. He also consults with authors to help them uh, with their novels and screenplays, uh, just to make sure you know we all we all are the same thing. It, it takes one it it takes one moment in a movie or a book where you say no way, and and it <laughs> and it kind of takes you right out of the mindset. So, with that said, let's talk uh, cops and writers. Pat, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always great when you, you can roll reverse. It's beautiful. I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Um, but yeah, let's start with the podcast. The, uh, like I said, when I was on there, uh, just talking, you know, police background, we didn't really, you know, not, not like complaining about, uh, about things, but, uh, <laughs> really talking about the, those technical aspects and the, and those, the, those great, you know, small points of that police life that are really hard to translate into a book or into a screenplay. And um, was that kind of your plan all along when you, uh, when you, when you uh, retired, was that, was that already in the, in the books? Well, I'm a big fan of the phrase, dig the well before you're thirsty. So lots and lots of cops retire, you know, it's common, you know, where I, and as far as when you can retire and all that, it varies by department, location, you know, that kind of thing. And I had it in my head after 25 years, I'm done. You know, I worked in the city of Milwaukee for 25 years. The last 17, I was a patrol sergeant, which means I was on the street with the coppers, you know, more or less supervising the cops who did whatever on the street. And I absolutely love my job. I've got zero complaints. Yes, there was some pretty horrible days. Yes, you know, politics reared its very ugly head on more than one occasion. And my job was threatened on more than one occasion. I was hauled up to IED a bunch of times, you know, threatened to get arrested, threatened to, you know, 
we're going to throw you in jail. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, I know I didn't do anything wrong. Every night I went to bed and laid my pillow on the head, knowing that I did the right thing. And I never screwed somebody over for my own gain, which some bosses do. And, you know, when I was brand new, I was very naive to that. I didn't think anything like that could happen in a police department. I was like, wow, <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. But yeah. So I started thinking to myself, well, what am I going to do? And I sold before I was a cop, I sold cars for four years. I was a restaurant manager. I was a bartender. You know, you know, I had an associate's not necessarily I had a bachelor's degree in sociology. So those that's where you're qualified when you got a bachelor's degree in sociology is to be a restaurant manager, to be a used car salesman, <laughs> you know, to be a bartender. Unless you get your master's, you're not really going real far. So that's what I did. And I was waiting to get on. I, I did the shotgun approach with police. And back then you more or less had to, as you, do. you couldn't be too tied <laughs> down geographically. And I was waiting to, I, I was on the waiting list for the city of Milwaukee police department for four years. So that's a long time, you know, and you don't want to job hop around. They do an extensive background, like, you know, so you don't want to be labeled as this guy that, you know, hops around from job to job that back then that was frowned upon. Now it's just you know, like normal, but I, uh, you know, fast forward, I sold cars for four years. Well, I helped a lot of my friends and coworkers buy cars. And one day somebody is just like, you know, you should write a book about that. I'm like, Hmm, I never thought of that. So yeah. I started more or less writing a book. It was a glorified PDF. Uh, long story short, it went up on Amazon. I did everything myself. Not the best editing, not the best cover. You know, it was, it was pretty ugly. I did it under a uh, pen name. Thank goodness. And, you know, it, but it actually sold some books. And I started a little side business helping people buy cars. What, what I didn't realize was I'm going to be going on all different time zones. I'm working, you know, nights. I worked nights for 17 years before I went day shift. And I'm getting phone calls of all different hours of the day and night from all these different time zones for not a lot of money. And I'm like, no, I'm done. So the book is still up there. And that got me into the writing bug where I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books about self-publishing, et cetera. So being that I am a cop, of course, I have to have at least one divorce under my belt. So I'm going through a divorce and I wrote a book about that to help out other guys going through divorces. You know, every other book that was out there was geared towards the females. It, there was barely anything geared towards the males. And I'm like, well, I mean, this wasn't like, you know, women suck. You know, my ex-wife is horrible, blah, blah, blah. Just if you have kids, how to kind of navigate around this pretty devastating event and come out whole more or less and it was therapeutic too and i enjoyed doing it but i started making contacts in the writer business and then from there a good buddy of mine was working on his phd he was also a sergeant where i worked and he did a ton of writing and he's like you know i'm so sick of this and we were we'd talk about writing and I said, well, you could just, you know, publish your own book because he was talking to you. He wanted to do a post-apocalyptic book. And I'm like, cool. 
So he threw it up on Amazon, made a ton of cash, and the cover wasn't all that great. And there was some editing, whatever, but it was the right time at the right place. And, you know, and he had fun doing it. So I got the bug and I wrote a post-apocalyptic book. And then I started writing a sequel to that book, but I started going to writers conventions now. And as you know, when you're almost anywhere, you have people coming up to you. Well, you're that cop guy, right? That's um, right. Yeah. yeah, I am. What did I do wrong? What am I being accused of here? And they're like, no, no, no. You know, could you help me with, I have this question. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, no problem. So I saw there was a need for this. So I started a Facebook group called cops and writers, and it was me, my editor and a couple of friends. And now there's like 5,600 people in there. And there was this wanting of people to get their facts straight regarding police work. And before I knew it, I'm like, I'm going to shelf the sequel that I'm writing to this, you know, zombie book. And I'm just going to write these cops and writers books. And there was a need. I, you know, before I didn't do my market research, you know, okay. Like the divorce book, what I didn't realize was most guys don't buy these books. Most guys aren't, a lot of guys aren't readers. A lot more women are readers than men. And the majority of my audience that wrote that uh, read that book were females. They're kind of want to see what the what the enemy is up to, you know, that kind of that's deal. Good intel. But, good intel. Yeah, dude. it is. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's how it all came to fruition. And the podcast, I'm like, you know what? I started going on podcasts promoting these books. And I'm thinking to myself, I could do this. Yeah. I used to, my brother was a DJ back in college. I used to sub for him. If you know, he was out partying or something, he's like, Hey, can you take my shift? I'm like, sure. Why not? <laughs> and so I am at home behind the mic. I really, I'm not intimidated by it. You know, some people are, you know, freeze up with it. Some people do great with it. And I'm probably middle of the road somewhere in that ballpark, but I just thought it'd be fun. And I'm a huge, I love audiobooks and I love podcasts. Yep. Yeah. That's, um, that's, it's, uh, it just sounds like it just grew out that way, but, but, uh, it is funny. Yeah. I, um, I'm kind of the same way as you. I just started writing after grad school and I'm writing to have fun. I'm writing for me. And uh, I get, you know, my sixth book in and somebody mentions a book conference and I had actually, like you said, doing the research, no writers an Island. You know, I had my, (laughs) I had a publisher here and there and I had editors and stuff. I did a little bit of everything just working it. And then I go to a book conference and yeah, they're they're immediately, they're like, yeah, you're, you're the cop. So I can ask you, I can, we can talk all day. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you got? And um, so that of course leads to the industry days where you're holding a talk and, and it's fun. Uh, I've done that twice now. And, uh, and I, you know, you think I'm like, I could prepare something and I could present on forensics. I could present on, you know, undercover work. I could present on, you know, uh, working a scene or something. And, I do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know what these people are writing. I, I got 50 right. people sitting in a room and, uh, and I, it, I actually just ended up being, Hey, what do you guys want to talk about? And it's just why it just goes everywhere. And well, it's, um, it's funny you say that because the last three years I present at 20 books to 50 K in Vegas, it's the largest independent book conference in the world. And, you know, Craig Martell, the guy who runs it, is like, well, what do you want to do? And I approached him first and I said, you know what? Just questions and answers. 
I said, we could sit up there and, you know, I mean, obviously we do a little bit of, Hey, this is me. This is my experience, blah, blah, blah. You know, a couple of minutes. And I usually have a panel of about three or four, maybe five different people in law enforcement, federal, you know, state, local, all different, you know, backgrounds, you know, LAPD, uh, New York, um, me, Milwaukee, you know, and just all over the place, Kansas City, just different jurisdictions. And this year we have Mark Cameron coming and he's going to be speaking. He's the guy who writes in the uh, Tom Clancy campuses. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a big deal. And he was a U.S. Marshal for 30 years. So, you know, if you can get somebody who was in law enforcement and a writer, well, that's double bonus. You know, that's great. So and like what you just said, it just in, it devolves into one person starts asking questions. Now everybody's asking questions about stuff. And it's great because, you know, the audience wants to know this stuff. They're very respectful and it's just a very positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Once it opens up they're they're, they're always, they always feel you out a little bit. They wonder if you're oh, going to yeah. be Tackleberry or Mahoney. And once they figure <laughs> out you're more Mahoney, then, the, then, then we can talk. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, cops and writers Academy to the streets covers getting hired. And, and I I didn't have the patience. I, I, I uh, graduate from uh, college in Charleston, um, got applications in Virginia, New York, Charleston itself. And uh, I just went with the first one. Like there was no, like you said, there were no anchors, did not make the family happy, right. but it was like, wherever I get in a cruiser first, I'm going. And Absolutely. It, it happened to be South Carolina and I just never looked back. And it's, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's just that's uh, that was that was the way of, of it back in the 90s and the, in the early 2000s when I came on. It was like you had to if in New York, I, had, I would have had to wait for somebody to retire to get a job. And I wanted to work in the city, you know. It's, sure. um, so, yeah, it's um, but yeah, going from the academy to the streets, it covers um, your story, but also gives a lot of those good, uh, um, you know, the, the small details that that people that people can incorporate. It's a good reference. I actually dropped your name at the uh, the last one I did at Books at the Beach, uh, referencing your books. Just oh, uh, just so you know. <laughs> if Thank you. Get a you. Bump. I, I I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. If you get a bump, but um, it is it is funny, and and in that vein, you know, that your next one is crime scenes and more of the detective life. Um, but in that vein of uh, of consulting, uh, I we gotta I gotta ask, um, are there any cop shows left that you can actually sit through and watch? There are very few. The ones, <laughs> the one you're going to laugh that I really like Barney Miller because it was so human. You know, it really portrayed the different characters and their different quirks. And just, I mean, yeah, some of it was corny. You know, that was a long time ago. Hill Street Blues, I absolutely love yeah, because it, yeah. it showed, you know, it was a it was a cop oh, soap opera, more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, every every episode there was some like big thing and you know it was on the melodramatic side but you kind of have to be to keep people interested you know like the technical part not so great sometimes but you know whatever you can let it go because it was a good story and then southland really i like that a lot yeah the only thing i didn't like about that and some others are you know you're in a police officer involved shooting you shoot and kill somebody and that's in the morning, the afternoon, you're back in your car driving around and everything's okay. That's no, it doesn't happen like that. You know, Bosch, same thing. You know, it's yeah. like, 
that it gets that part really gets under my skin. But I also understand what are they going to do with this guy for six months while the DA is trying, you know, deciding what they're going to do with this cop, you know, give him a drinking yeah. problem, a divorce, you know, whatever. You know. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of drama that you could capture in that time, but it wouldn't help. It, it's it, as I've wondered the same thing, like, how do you how do you let your character do that when you know that he's going to be on the bench like immediately? And it's, and it's, I, I think you can't get away from it in the fiction world. I, I think you're just stuck. I think the plot's got to take over on that one, but, uh, I, but yeah, it's, that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. And what I say is like, you know what, this is fiction. Yep. Do some time traveling. Okay. Six months later, you know, <laughs> eight months later, you know, this is where we're at. Yeah. You know, okay. Give him a beard, you know, or whatever. You know, <laughs> <Yeah. and> just... <laughs> yep. Back on the first day, back in roll call. Exactly. <laughs> trying, to, trying to wonder who all these new faces are. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I just, I had to ask it. The, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I, I try. And uh, I think like we talked about my, my wife's a nurse. I'm a, you know, I'm a cop. It's <laughs> That's like right. yeah. the, the TV shows are few and far between that we can, that we can uh, sit down and agree on. It mostly ends up being documentaries. Yeah. And, uh, this can get a little wide ranging at times. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, um, I, I, uh, I was actually just uh, just texting before before you uh, you came on with with uh, one of the authors that that I consult with. So shout out to uh, to Gracie. Mm. Um, okay, but she's she's had some great ones. She just popped up one day, referred, and was asking about uh, everything from title threes to undercovers to you know surreptitious entries. I was like, man, I was like I can't wait to see what you, what this thing looks like. So, right? Um, have you had any any story any um, any you know? Uh, examples of like you, you know, this writer comes to you and, and what you guys talk about just translates so perfectly into just the, the perfect um, story that uh, you'd never saw coming. You're like, God, oh, you know, I can consult on a couple of things, but then when the finished product just blew you out of your socks. It's usually bits and pieces, to be honest, as far as like full-blown manuscripts, I have learned the hard way, like everything else. I... I would have to charge a lot of money for this to be worthwhile. And I don't want to do that. You know, it's, there's a lot of writers that are new or newer and they're not raking it in, you know, and it's like, and yes, I, I provide a valuable service and I should be compensated for that. But, you know, it got to the point where I'm not trying to be like Mr. Ego guy or anything like that, but I'm worth a lot of money. And I hate doing it. I mean, the people that were with me in the beginning, yeah, I, I just kept my fee the same as when I first started, you know, it wouldn't be fair, but I have, there's one uh, UK author, Marissa Farr. She's very, she's killing it. She's very successful. And it's always fun to see her like hit milestones and stuff. And it's like, well, maybe I added a little bit to do with that. I hope I did, you know, that kind of thing. And I help, you know, I have the cops and writers Facebook group. So a lot of people will, you know, either DM me or whatever, or what I want is for them to ask questions in the group. Cause now it's grown so big that I don't have to answer every question. Like when it was new, I had to do everything, you know, as a one-stop yeah. shop. Now I have got great. I've got admins that are fabulous. I have other experts in my group that are more than willing to help these writers out. And, it, it's a win-win it's great 
And it's uh, it's crazy to think about how much those resources have kicked off since the, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what year you, you started putting your first book out, but um, just, uh, I guess my, I started finally figured out how to put a plot together and, and do a first draft. I think it was 2012 that I actually did it. And the resources then come even then compared to now, I mean, this is only 10 years ago, but it's a, uh, you know, like these groups and all this, all this information that's out there can, it's so helpful to the, to the research aspect and research is, is a you know world unto its own. I mean, but the end of the day, no writers an Island and just to have, to be able to go to a group of thousands of people and be like, Hey, I got a problem. And boom, you got an answer, you know, it it's yeah. Yeah. Most writers are some of the most friendly people I've ever met. I go to these conferences, et cetera, and it's not competition. I mean, there's a mil- there's millions of books out there. So I'm not competing against you. You're not competing against me. You know, it's like podcasts. I don't feel like I'm competing against anybody because there's so many of them out there, you know, and it isn't that doggy dog mentality. It's how can I give you a hand? How can I help you? You know, and the 20 books to 50 K Facebook group is the same thing with just like general stuff about writing there's, and you go to the conference and, you know, my, advice for somebody who was new or newer would be reach out to like mid-level authors who are seeing a pretty decent degree of success whereas i mean you're yeah you could email stephen king but i don't think he's going to answer you but if you email you know somebody that's you know a six-figure author that's doing well but also remembers what it was like to be starting out and making all the mistakes and you know, getting your hands dirty, you know, doing all this stuff. That's yeah. What I did was, okay. You know, I wrote that post-apocalyptic book and I'm like, I'm unsure about this cover, you know? So I just looked in that category on Amazon and I searched for authors that were popular and selling books, but weren't, you know, like the huge, huge top tier, you know, authors. And I just started emailing. I just did email blast. Yep. Some of them didn't return them and some did, and some were extremely helpful. It's like, yeah, call me. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed once I got in, got to engaging with the uh, community. It was probably after probably my first three books, three books were through a, a publisher that of course, you know, those things, they come and go, but it was once right. I, once they started coming off contract, I'm trying to figure out what to do next start reaching out to other people who had never even I've never talked to. And they, the collaborative spirit of that writer community uh, kind of shocked me for a minute. It took a minute to, yeah. to get used to. It was like, what's your angle? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is your hand in my pocket? Or are you taking my wallet? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you always, you're always like sitting there being like, man, I, I hope nobody steals the idea for this book. And it's like, there's so many ideas out there for this. Oh, book. Nobody's going to, nobody could steal if they wanted to. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you're absolutely yep. right. Yeah. So you got the, you're the, your resource with that massive group and I'll put links up to these things in the show notes. Oh, great. Uh, once, Thank you. Once we wrap. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's, let's go into the, to the fiction side, the, um, Matt, no, yeah. Mad city, mad city. I got, I got, I got it mixed up between field training and, uh, and mad city. Yeah. But, uh, I, I really want to do a zombie book. It's like, Oh, I, I also want to do a space opera, but it, but at the same time, I got to, I, I don't know if I've got the original enough idea, you know, mm-hmm. but the, um, the, it doesn't premise... have to be super original. You know, if you follow tropes that people are buying, guess what? 
you know, if you have readers there that have a voracious appetite, they're going to, they're going to read your book, even if it's the same or similar, because that's what they like. Yep. So don't worry about that. It doesn't have to be so crazily different. And sometimes when it's like really off the rails, people don't like it. They, they like familiar. They do. Uh, it is, uh, it is very interesting. There is the, um, there is the, the, the road lanes that people really like to stay in. If you, yep. if you sidestep one way or the other too far. And I, and I always think of, uh, honestly, I always think of Tarantino with this cause he does it all the time and he's wildly successful, Yes, but, um, there's only so far you can go before the, before the, um, the audience is going to be like, yeah, no, because if you look at Pulp Fiction and then you look at Jackie Brown, completely yeah. different paths that he took and and mm -hmm. it, it very easily it could have been like not i'm not you know this is not my this is not my thing you wrote pulp fiction this is what you do and it, you know there's a gamble there there's a such yeah a there is you're absolutely right you know it, yeah i think gamble is a great word for that when you really go off the rails you know if you're a romance writer you have to have the happily ever after if you if it's not happily ever after, you're going to be making some people angry. Or if you kill a dog in a series, good luck there. You know, you could kill all the people you want, but you better not kill Fido. You're going to get some serious flack. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could write that that scene. Yeah, I, I get pretty creative killing people, but I, I don't know if I could kill a dog. Don't mess mm -mm. with the dog. <laughs> my dogs um, would look at me differently. I they'd know. They would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, he, yeah my Dad, guy's what are you right doing? next to me. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, my guy's listening to me right now, being like, don't get any ideas. Exactly. <laughs> I still got some juice in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in Mad City, we've got um post uh, nuclear war, a um former cop, Sean Walsh, also a veteran, um, got separated from his family, and he's and it's torturous um, as I'm as I'm reading it, because, uh, I mean, you know, your kids are out there someplace and you can't you physically can't get to them because the environment, among other things, is keeping you from doing so that when you set the stage with that, that's for, you know, anybody, anybody with kids, you're just like, yeah, I don't know if I would care about radiation that much. You know, it's 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 a, it's it makes the back of your neck itch from like the, se the second page. <laughs> right. You know, I like post-apocalyptic fiction but i also like spy stuff you know i love ian fleming and you oh, know yeah. the whole james bond series is fabulous so i kind of combined both of them with this you know those are like my two likes it, it, it did okay it didn't do great but what i have learned from my limited experience in the world of fiction is if you have at least a three book series it will that's the way to do it. You know, if you want it to take off and you want it to grow wings, get yourself a, a series going, you know, when it comes to advertising, when it comes to, you know, some people don't want to read just one book. Some do, but the majority of, especially your whale readers, the ones that were just voracious, they want a series, you know, yep. they want, okay, I just finished this one. I want the next, then I want the next, you know, I want to see what happens. Yeah, they they make friends with those characters, and they're uh, oh, you know, it's, absolutely, it, they're not ready to let them go. It's and, yep. uh, and especially, man, I made the mistake of killing. I'm not gonna say who, but the, my readers are gonna know because they all yell at me for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I knocked somebody off in uh, in spoilers. The one that I mentioned is is just coming to Audible, mm -hmm. and whoa, it uh, 
it wasn't um, threatening, but it was, you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm just really disappointed was pretty much the message I got. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I didn't see it at the time, but yeah, it's a, and it, and it's, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. I still consider myself relatively on the rookie contract with this writing thing. And, um, and uh, I was just trying to come up with the best story, not necessarily thinking, second third order effects of how cool this character was and how much more i could do with them you know right so it's uh it's yeah you pay for it though if, if yes uh, you once will those, once those people get attached they're not happy <laughs> you're right absolutely so i did the i did like and uh and it's it's just funny um because you always you know the guy the guy sean he has to he chooses to join in um the the government as it is and go on accept this mission but he does so with his with his back his back pocket plan the entire time is like you know what i'll go do your job for you but i'm going to make this work for me i'm, I'm making the government yep. serve me and it's absolutely uh, that's that's a good twist because he's still got to do the job but he's just the ulterior motives from the good guy are are a great twist on things right right yeah i that that was very intentional and you know, and of course, you know, he wants to find his kid. He was separated from his kids. So he wants to find, you know, he's so he's kind of doing double duty where he's, you know, doing what he has been contracted for by the government, but he wouldn't be able to get to his kid if he didn't have this job with the government because of, you know, the uh, the uh, flare and the all the cool techno stuff that, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world, there ain't a whole lot work there isn't a whole lot of so he needed it yeah that's that that's scrounger 101 find the resources and yep. make them work right absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely and um so yeah the um as far as a post i haven't done this the post-apocalyptic stuff but thinking of as i'm as i was reading it thinking of the research you had to get into you had to you've got the police background you've got the tactical background so the guns are going to be I would guess relatively easy for you. Oh yeah. The question that I had was, um, you're so we're in a we're in a polluted environment. Um, it's the uh, nuclear apocalypse. So you know you got radiation to consider. You've got resources to consider. What happens to communities as everything falls down? So you've got that whole pressure, you know, prepper aspect. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as research, you had to do. My question was, how much research did you do into how would I navigate this environment? Yeah, that's from reading other post-apoc books and just Dr. Google, you know, Dr. going on Google and just just doing it that way. You know, it's like I, I, I remember, you know, it's like, OK, how how long would it take before it, the air would be OK to breathe? Or could you be in your basement? And that's OK. Uh, you know, if you obviously if you take a direct hit, you're your vapor, you know, but, you know, it all depends on how big the bomb is and how how big the bomb is and how close you are to it, which way the wind is blowing, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's a lot of different stuff, but that's the beauty of fiction. I could kind of fudge that up a little bit because, you know, I'll make it work for my story. Yep. Yeah. We, we always have that license in fiction and it just can't uh, be too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get, don't get nuts, but uh, you know, you yep. can't walk around glowing. You're not actually yes. going to glow, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it is funny. I mean, you know, you, we, you know, our, our, of course, our historical issues are, uh, you know, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, 
and you know you think as you see this growing up you you we grew up in that age where we we're so afraid of the russians and the cold oh War absolutely yeah blah, blah 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 you know hide under your desk and, and the nuke's not going to get you <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> i was right on the back end of that i was right on the back end of that i think i was i was 12 when uh when the wall came down so mm-hmm. there's there's still there's still the paranoia floating around here and there. oh yeah absolutely um, but uh where was i go? but uh yeah as a researcher as you get older um you know, you think Hiroshima and Nagasaki are just vaporized, but then as you look back, you know, as you read about it and, you know, as you're older and you're actually digging into details, there's people walking around like an hour or two or a day or two after oh. the bomb went off. They're just, right. they're just, they're hiding in a hole someplace and they're just, I wonder what happened. You know, no yeah. idea that they're walking through a radiated, you know, insanity as, as they do it. Um, but yeah, it's just all those, all those aspects. I wonder when I see somebody create a universe like that how did you get your mind right for that and to be able to tell that yeah like i said just reading different books and google and yeah a little bit of literary license there a little uh, license to fudge that's the part i always like i like to keep that in my back pocket i can say whatever i want it's it's uh it's fiction and uh we're supposed to be a little eccentric so if it's not quite reality it's that's just the way it works absolutely no problem yep so um the the new one you've got this it hasn't come out yet um but uh brew the you're starting a series brew city Mm -hmm. blues and then you're going to start out with putting a guy right into field training so starting out in a city pd getting through field training but so you're gonna you're gonna follow i guess uh, what do we got mike collins um starting as as a starting as a rookie um in milwaukee so you're taking it right back home yep what uh, what's your plan for him? How how far are you going with this series? Oh well, it depends on how many people buy the books. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm collaborating with Michael Anderley of LMBPN Publishing, and he came to me and we kind of came up with this whole idea, and we'll see where it takes us. I mean, it's kind of a he calls it a cop opera. I call it kind of a, a tip of the hat to the old like Hill Street Blues those types of shows, but, you know, obviously in modern days. And what I really wanted to do was show the human side of police work. You know, oftentimes cops are either these stoic, like kind of vanilla characters that don't have a lot of personality or it's the cop on the edge. You know, he's breaking all the rules, you know, to get the job done. And I'm like, well, if he was breaking all those rules, he'd either be in jail and and or fired. So that's not too smart you know whatever so that was my my goal was it's like okay we're gonna follow this cop from field training and see where it goes from there you know like the next book in the series is probation so he's on probation you know so you're you're not actually a subhuman like you are when you're a recruit (laughs) you're on field (laughs) training i mean back when i was and it's eased up a bit i mean nobody talked to you unless it was like another recruit you were just you were a part you might as well have been you know wallpaper it it didn't matter and then from there you know we'll see where it takes us you know it's gonna follow his career and of course you got to throw in some drama you know like some personal stuff to get some people interested but what i also wanted to do was throw in some detectives and show what they actually do and you know what they sacrifice and what the, the work that goes into a homicide investigation, 
you know, when I first started, it was 95 and we were just coming down from the peak of the crack wars. We called it where, I mean, every night I was in a shooting, I, I was responding to some kind of shooting shots are being fired all the time around you. And now it's getting back to that. The homicide rates in Milwaukee isn't unique to this is back to where we were during the crack wars. It's completely done, you know, turned around because for a while it got pretty decent where people weren't killing each other as much, but now it's holy cow. It's crazy. And, you know, I just wanted to show that aspect too. So yeah, there's some, and the way I describe things might be a little different from other authors where I'm probably a little more technical, you know, like the beta readers are like, boy, that's, that's an info dump. You know, I explain <laughs> why we do what we did. Now, will I be doing that in the second book? Probably not, or not as much. I'm kind of educating the reader as we go along with the series. Yep. And, uh, and Tom Clancy was uh, famous for telling somebody how a submarine worked while keeping them interested. So it's, oh, uh, that yeah. there's, there's room for the technical side. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and as you were, as you were telling me, you know, following him at a probation, all I can think of is you get to write the scene of, uh, you know, when he's out by himself in the cruiser, pulling over his first person in the middle of the night. Cause I, I still remember that to this day when, when, uh, and, and it turned out to be a little old lady, you know, but two o'clock in the morning blows a light right in front of me. I'm like, Oh, I got to pull them over. I'm like, I'm by myself. Okay. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> now exactly. what? what am I supposed to do? <laughs> well, I was lucky and I guess you could call it lucky that I worked in probably one of the worst areas of the city, the like one of the most violent areas of the city at night when I was new and if you were on probation, you had to work with a more experienced officer. You were always two man and you had to work with another officer. Once you got off probation, they started putting us together. You know, that was kind of cool. I remember my first night, uh, a copper that I went through the academy with were off probation and they put us on the wagon and it's like, okay, cool. And, you know, we're backing up cars all night, you know, doing this that and the other thing it wasn't too bad seven o'clock in the morning we get called for uh some type of disturbance this guy opens the door he's wearing a white t-shirt and it's just covered in blood and we're we both kind of do a double take of like huh and we hear this female in the background just whimpering i it just just total agony and we're like what the hell's going on it was a this guy was in his eh, late 40s and his daughter who was like maybe 20 he bit part of her nose off so to make a long story short fight is on he did not want to go to jail he was very drunk yeah and we're both like oh oh boy yeah here we we go somebody we should call somebody (laughs) yeah what should we do yeah we should probably call for some help here and we each grabbed an arm and he you know i'm gonna kill you i was a marine you know blah, blah 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 and this poor woman is you know in the corner still just crying her eyes out and we drove his head literally into the drywall and I, and his body went limp and he looked at me and says, Oh, Donald, we just killed him. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> shit. And then, damn, we didn't mean to do that. We just so killed this the, guy. <laughs> so his head was literally in the drywall. And then we start hearing F you, F you. And I'm like, Oh, sigh of relief. Okay, good, good. He's alive. So we hooked him up and that was our first night, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God. 
But like you said, the first time you pull out of that driveway of the district and you're by yourself, man, that's you'll never forget that feeling ever. It's a feeling. That is a feeling. I, I remember my I was assigned to uh, the islands off, off the peninsula. So I had to go over this big, huge bridge and like the whole city just opens up and just mm-hmm. like for the moment, you're just like, yeah, this is my city now. And then it's like, I get your first call. It's like, wait, just me. I'm, just, I'm the only one. Yeah. This? <laughs> oh yeah. You, yeah. Sink or swim, baby. That's, sink or swim. That's right. It was fun. It was fun. I, I give oh, myself it was awesome. a, a C plus. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah, that's probably, a, yes, yes. That was not an overachiever. No, it's not. Yep. No, just, uh, just everybody go home. Everybody yep. go home and be good. But uh, man, that's, that's, there's a lot of potential there, you know, just grabbing a guy right from the start. I mean, it, it does have that Southland feel to it, you know, when, uh, with the, uh, and those two characters, there's so much chemistry in that cast, but oh, yeah. there's so much of like that personal aspect that you can bring um, of those, you know, those highs and lows in the, in the, and the, also the, nobody trained me to do this. <laughs> like, what, what is this? What am I doing? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not supposed to answer this. This is not me. And then the third book I'm really looking forward to, that's going to be choir practice. And for those who don't know what a choir practice is, that's when police go out drinking after a shift and carousing or whatever. And, you know, that's when people open up. That's when you really see, you know, their personal lives and just, you know, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it gets kind of crazy. It all depends. So, yeah, I can't wait to write that one. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, in the roller coaster of those two, it was, uh, you know, I remember one of the first uh, rules or not rules, but first pieces of advice was have something outside of work. Cause that uh, once you get off probation, you're actually accepted as a, as an actual human, you know, right. You're you're not a probe anymore. Uh, And that's when that decision is made. If, if you're going to be surrounded by blue all the time, or if you're going to have outside avenues and that's, yeah, I just remember my sergeant just saying, you know, have something, have something outside of this because you can just completely surround yourself and just disappear into that, into that vacuum. And it's a, it's great, but there's, there can be a downside to that, to that as well. What I would tell new cops all the time was, and my first captain told us this, you know, like almost 30 years ago, he's like, keep your friends that aren't cops, yep. be around people that aren't like you, you know, that's huge. But it's so easy because it's so easy to, like you said, kind of like disappear into that blueness because who else is going to really understand what you're going through? You know, who else is going to understand? It's like, yeah, I, you know, my I it was day three on field training and there's a guy running at me with a knife. and He just killed his best friend. You know, nobody else is going to understand that unless really you've been that. through it. Yeah. And, they, you know, other people shake their heads and go, oh, really? Well, did you, did you pull anybody over last night? And like, did you hear what I was saying? I mean, we'd start the night out like 50, 60 assignments in the hole. We're surrounded by live gunfire and there would be at least one or two shootings a night. And you know how much manpower that just chews up. So the barking dog complaint that came in at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. We'll go to that at nine o'clock the next morning. Yeah. If it doesn't turn into a, uh, to an all out brawl. Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) You know, absolutely yeah that uh oh man the um yeah it's it's fine yeah they gave me this the same uh the same speech just uh make sure you you've got another avenue but uh that also when you were telling me it's you know what (laughs) the 
you you really see the uh, the contrast when you tell that awkward um awesome fun war story at a really awkward dinner party <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it, it's amazing how if you go to a dinner party or whatever social gathering it doesn't take long for them to pick up that you're a cop not that you're wearing a cop t-shirt or you're like strutting around with a gun on your hip or doing whatever it just happens and then all of a sudden it's like tell me your craziest story tell me your... and i was like could i get a drink first could i relax you know it's gonna be a it's lot like... funnier after the third drink <laughs> yeah exactly i'm much funnier i'm taller too it's amazing how that works that's right that's right yep yeah but it's i mean it it is it is very it's an interesting life and it's i wish and uh, and i know that this would probably fire a bunch of people up but i think if uh, if there was some kind of national service requirement where everybody had to do something either law enforcement first responder you know infrastructure teaching medical i think that that would really i think that would do a lot of things to help uh society if everybody got to see those aspects you know not, not everybody's going to want to be a cop and not everybody um or would should have to, be yeah or should be but at the same time, not everybody should be in the military. Not everybody should be in the medical field. But if everybody right. had to do something to do a national service um, duty, I think that that would I think there'd be a lot more common ground than we see here than we see in the world today. But that's I, just me. No, it's not just you, because I interviewed Gavi um, uh, Friedson. He's with United Hatzla of Israel. What that is, they have motorcycle ambulances it's a completely wow. voluntary organization where it's kind of like the uber of medics where you know okay he lives he was um from jerusalem and these cities are very densely populated and it takes an ambulance like 15 20 minutes to get to a location whereas these motorcycle ambulances that have all the equipment that an ambulance has except the cot they have everything else they can get there within 90 seconds to three minutes and that saves a ton of lives but we were talking and you know he was back when he got out of when he was in high school you had to do an extracurricular so he decided to ride in ambulances learn to become an emt so he did that and then when he got out of high school you were required. The men were required, I think, three years of service and the females were two years of service. A lot go in the military, but not everybody should be a soldier. And, you know, they they recognize that. And, you know, you could work in a hospital, you could work in a soup kitchen, you could, you know, whatever the case may be, but you're doing some type of service, you know, to humanity. And some of them went to the police. And he said, I think it really changes the way a country looks at things it really brings you together when you have that two or three years of service to others it, it really changes how you, your perspective yep yeah i think it generates buy-in when everybody knows that they've yep. walked that that same line you know or yes. that same beat at some point in their life so i don't know i, I uh, i'm not planning on running for president but if i do i'll make that part of my platform <laughs> okay uh i'll put a yard <laughs> sign out in front okay i hate politics but you know, yeah for you too. i'll do it for you i'll I, do uh, it. I can't be a part of, it. I'd only do it if, uh, if, yeah, no, I, it, it would take a lot. It would, it would take a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with the podcast and, and, uh, and with the variety of books that, uh, that's gotta be kind of fun. What's the gap between, um, between, uh, when you did mad city and field training, what's the, what's the gap in your fiction? Um, oh timeline? boy. I think mad city was back in 17. 
or 18, okay. somewhere in that ballpark. And field training just went up on pre-order yesterday. And I didn't even know about it. I'm on Amazon. I'm like, oh, look, look what's there. Yeah, <laughs> I got a book. Cool. <laughs> hey, look <laughs> at that book. Yeah. So that's uh, scheduled to come out November 18th. The second book, um, Probation, that's due to come out, I believe it's December 30th. And then the third book in the series, tentatively going to be uh, titled Choir Practice. We're looking, I think, mid-February for that one. So did you uh, did you uh, just write them all, all at the same time, like kind of kind of like how they filmed Lord of the Rings, film them all at the same time and then drop them, <sighs> drop them in sequence? Uh, Not you'd take quite. Some time. The first book is done, obviously. There, I mean, there's going to have to be edits and some tweaks and, you know, all, all that kind of good stuff. The second book, I have a bare bones outline done. So it won't be like I'm, you know, like starting from scratch or whatever. So it's. Yeah, and it's it's different, you know. I'm retired and I'm working harder now than when I was working because you know it's like you have all these deadlines and you know it's like okay, you have to meet with a person that does keywords and you know I'll, okay. there's a lot of moving parts to this, a ton of moving parts. And the third book I have not put pen to paper or keyboard to fingers to keyboard or whatever, but yeah, I'm gonna try and get through this first and then start pounding that out. But it's funny because the cops and writers books were originally one book, one really big one. And I was with Brian Cohen from the Selmore Books Show. I'm friends with him. He's got a good podcast that's been around for like ever. I think it's been six, seven years, somewhere in that for podcasts. That's a long time. Mm, it's good. Around. And, and he's, you know, he's a super helpful guy, helps a lot of indie authors. And we, I went down to Chicago just to have a couple of drinks with him and we're in my car and he says, you should just split that in two. And I'm thinking to myself, Hmm, I think I will. So I did. So that's, that's how that happened. So that was all written in one, you know, ginormous chunk and that was split in two, but these are specifically not that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, I mean, there is a clear delineation uh, between, um, you know, getting on the street and then moving into that, that kind of detective level um world a little bit right yep. um so that 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 made perfect sense um man what was I, I i completely lost my train of thought here um but um yeah i was just thinking when you when you said book two the uh the probation part i there's there's so much room for just all the funny moments of oh well field, field training to too it's out. just like yeah. holy cow you know it's like so this is what it okay gotcha yeah. all right yeah and the fta is like no this one's yours it's what you want me to what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah and, uh, and i always love uh the after actions how better of how better could you have handled that so i screwed up are you saying i screwed up <laughs> i just want to know how you could have done better <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean I don't want to give away too much, but we had a triple arm robbery in a park by uh, UW-Milwaukee, and it was like three victims, no, two victims, three suspects, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I had all kinds of information, and you give a broadcast out to the city, you know, be on the lookout for it. They call them bolos now before it was just, you know, broadcast. And I've got a script. It's only like the second or third time I've ever done this. So I've got a script, I've got it in my lap and I'm all nervous and stuff is like, everybody in the city is going to hear me, you know, 
and I'm parked by a Walgreens. I'll never forget it. And I was blocking some space. So people are like beeping at me just as I started. I'm like squad 565, you know, be on the lookout for you. You hear honk, honk. So I, I pull forward and all of my notes, my little script were on the, was on the floorboard of the car. And I'm like, oh, son of a biscuit. All right. So I winged it and I come back and my FTO and the two victims were all laughing at me. And I'm just like, <laughs> they're like, oh, first day. And I'm like, oh, okay, my face couldn't be redder. Okay, I'm a little embarrassed right now. When the victims are laughing at you, you know you did a bad job. I remember the uh, the first foot pursuit I ever got in. The guy ran through me like I was, like he was TJ Watt and I was yeah. <laughs> in the in the and I, I take off after him and i'm like and i'm pretty sure um with the way that my backup showed up uh that i gave the wrong direction i was running up the street mm, <laughs> and yeah. i'm on a peninsula it only goes one way it goes yeah. east and west <laughs> and i know you got a I was 50 50 west. shot at this kid yeah. 50 i was, 50 running, I was running away from the water and i heard myself say north and i'm like oh, ooh, oh i'm gonna pay for that yeah well <laughs> you know we'd like to have a good chuckle with the new people. And, you know, I remember one copper is like, well, I'm, I'm going left bound. And we're like, what is that? You're doing left what? bound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She had a hard time with that. Oh boy. Yeah. That was not pretty. Yep. It's, it, it was fun, but uh, somehow we survived. <laughs> yes. We all make those mistakes. <laughs> That's Absolutely. right. That's right. And I, and I, and I think I'd be less of a, I would have been lesser for it if I didn't make some yes. of those really, really stupid decisions. Hey, that's, <laughs> and you know what? Those rear its ugly head every now and then today. So, hey, whatever. Yeah, I'm good for it. I, I've even told my boss, I'm like, I'm pretty good for a big screw up once every six six months or so. So just <laughs> be ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but hey, we've been going about an hour, man. I don't want to keep you on a Tuesday night, but uh, I appreciate you joining me. This has been fun. Oh, anytime. You know, it, it was great having you on my show and thank you for the opportunity to have me on your show. That's great. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to we talked about some of those conferences. I'm going to try and hit some of those maybe next year. The, yeah, uh, the absolutely. ones on Vegas that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'll put the links up, everybody, for uh, field training. I'm excited for that book. I can't wait. And uh, Mad City, I'm working my way through right now. Uh, also the, uh, the cops and writers books and the links to, uh, Patrick's podcast with all that. I just said, I can completely understand how you, uh, are busier in retirement than you were on the oh street. My. Yeah. Man. That's one of the reasons why I stopped consulting. I mean, it, like a major consult because I just don't have the time now. If like, you know, Fox calls me and says, Hey, could you consult, you know, or Amazon prime says, Hey, could you sure, I guess I could do something like that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we should caveat that with Netflix. I am waiting for your call whenever. Yeah, whenever exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, are you uh, you got any uh, socials, any place you want people to find you on socials? Uh, my Facebook site is like the most robust where you can definitely find me just cops and writers. Mm-hmm. Just put that in the search bar of the Facebook page and you'll find me. I'm on the Twitter and the Instagram and all that happy stuff. But most of the action for me, if you want to get a hold of me, is going to be on Facebook. Just DM me or whatever. I'll be happy to talk to you. Awesome. Or email. It, my email is Sarge at copsandwriters.com. Awesome. And if uh, you feel like doing a deep dive into field training when it comes out, um, feel free to hit me up and come back. Oh, that'd um, be great. I'd appreciate yeah. that. 
Absolutely. And uh, everybody, uh, before we go, um, thank you uh, for continued support of Blood Red Ivory. I got uh, maybe 20,000 more words going into the first draft of the next Ty Benhoff adventure. Um, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it. I really like the way the story's going. So hopefully I can get that to you later this year. And don't forget the offer is out there. Uh, you like, subscribe, and rate the TCP, and I'll send you uh, one of my eBooks. Uh, just uh, DM me or uh, send me an email to uh, John at johnsnapwriter.com, and you get. Uh, I'll send you a book. So, with that said, uh, Patrick, I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you very much. It's always fun talking to you. Absolutely, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, everybody. <laughs>